This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. So there I was, laying in my bed, shitting myself, while this guy has one foot in my bedroom with the door cracked open. I didn't want to make the situation worse, so I didn't move. I slam on the brakes and veer off to the right as the truck continues to barrel through where I just was seconds ago. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Territory Foods for supporting Disturbed. Territory is a chef-driven marketplace of sustainably sourced, nutritionally dense, ready-to-eat meals. To save $75 across your first three orders and get free shipping, go to TerritoryFoods.com and use promo code DISTURBED. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. Today, I'm bringing you three true horrifying tales and a listener story that are a prime follow-up to Halloween. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with an experience from Reddit user Gwenny Lou, featuring voice work by Nicole Doolin. And it's in the comfort of your own home when you just might be your most vulnerable. This happened in 2019. I was in my second year of college and living in a townhouse about a 10-minute walk from campus. I lived with two other girls at the time, but they were all back at their parents' house for the holiday. I work in healthcare and was working Christmas this year. A little bit of backstory. There used to be four of us living there, but one girl had moved out due to issues with her boyfriend. He was a jackass who abused our kindness on allowing him to stay there was only supposed to come every so often, but basically ended up living there. We told her she needed to kick him out after an incident with him one night, after he got physical with her and verbally abusive with the rest of us. She wouldn't listen, and we told her we would have to talk to the landlord then. Long story short, she ended up moving out and left on bad terms with us. 
On another side, not here, I have been in a physically and mentally abusive relationship before, so I understand how things may have been going for her. I tried my best for two years at that point to help open her eyes to the abuse and get her away from him. At this point, it was affecting everyone, and we didn't feel safe with him there, etc., so she moved out. Okay, back to the story. It was Christmas Eve, and I worked the next day, so I was getting ready for bed. Locked the doors, turned the lights off, and went downstairs where my bedroom was. I was scrolling on TikTok for about an hour. It was Christmas Day at this point. When I heard what sounded like the chairs in the kitchen move, the kitchen is right above my bedroom. I thought maybe I was hearing the neighbors next door as we share the same walls, and sometimes they can be loud. But I remembered one of them texting me and asking me to bring in a package they were expecting while they were all gone at home. The noise was short-lived, and so I just brushed it off. Next thing I know, my bedroom door is being opened slowly. In this moment, I get a flashback and remember my second-grade teacher telling us about the time someone broke into her house and she acted as if she were asleep. So if they were just there to rob her, they wouldn't feel the need to hurt her if she saw them. But my freaking phone screen is lighting up my scared, jaw-dropped face. So I can't act like I'm asleep. Where I'm laying in bed faces directly to the door, so we're just looking right at each other. So there I was, laying in my bed, shitting myself, while this guy has one foot in my bedroom with the door cracked open. It felt like an eternity, but in reality it was probably more like 10 seconds of us looking at one another. He slowly takes his foot out and closes my door. I sit there just in complete, utter shock. I couldn't make out what he looked like, as my eyes were adjusting to the dark again from the phone screen. All I could see was a backwards baseball cap. I knew I had to call the police, but my anxious ass knew if I called, it would alert my parents' phones that I called. Me being dumb as hell was like, well, I don't want to make them worry. Also, I was scared, and he might still be somewhere in the house, and I didn't know what he would do if he heard me call. So I text the guy I was seeing at the time and tell him, some random guy just broke into my house and came into my room. He snapped me out of it and told me to call the police, and so I did. The dispatcher asked me if I felt comfortable to go unlock the front door for them so they didn't have to break it down. And I told her, no way, I don't care if the door is broken. I'm not going up there alone. A couple minutes later, I see flashlights shining through my window. I hear the police knocking at the door and announcing themselves. They got in and asked me where I was. I came out of my room and they came and got me. They told me to wait on the back porch while two of them searched the house and one stayed with me. It was like that shit you see in the movies where they have their guns and turn the corner with their partner and everything. They didn't find anyone and I said nothing looked like it had been taken. They even tried to get fingerprints but were unsuccessful. They even started asking me questions and informed me that the back door was unlocked and had no signs it had been broken. I told them I locked it. Luckily, the guy I was talking to stayed with me that night, but I still couldn't sleep. I kept having to go check every inch of the house over and over. I placed chairs under the door handles on the front door, back door, and my bedroom. The next day, I informed our landlord, and she refused to come out and change the locks. And she never ended up changing them for the rest of the time we lived there. Every time I go to bed now, I triple check all the doors have been locked. Doesn't matter where I am. 
I have a dog now, and he helps my anxiety of intruders, as well as a recent purchase of a ring doorbell. I believe it was our old roommate's boyfriend. I think they may have made an extra key for him because he was basically living there. But I don't understand why he didn't do anything to me, the house, or our belongings. If it were someone random, I don't know why they wouldn't have done what they intended, and that could be many different possibilities. I don't know what their intentions were that night, but to the man who broke into my house on Christmas Eve, let's not meet again. Are you loving the show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. Next up, we have an email submission from Jacques, featuring voice work by John Patnode. And we meet the new roommate. It all started with a note pinned to the door of my rented room. I just came back from the Christmas break and expected to see a positive message, for example, about cheaper rent, because I was absent for two weeks. Unfortunately, the landlord, being the mean jerk that he was, pinned a piece of information saying that I had one week to move out because he's leaving the country and selling all of his estates. Needless to say, I was in desperate need of a new room, and it wasn't easy to find a decent one in the middle of the academic year. As I was browsing through the internet, my hope was shrinking more and more. I didn't want to end up crashing on my friend's couch, but from what I found on the first few websites, this was where I was headed. Then, on the last website I wanted to visit that day, I found a nice offer. Like, a really nice one. Too good to be true, even. A man named Aster was looking for a roommate for a 60-meter square flat in a great location. It was in one of the newest apartment complexes and looked like it was taken out of a catalog. The rent was only a little bit higher than the one I had already been paying, which was odd. But I wasn't in a position to fuss over such things, so I decided to give it a try. Aster, however, wasn't the one who picked up the phone. It was a lady who introduced herself as his mother, informing me that she's managing the room renting business because her son had a lot on his plate already. She agreed to show me the flat the next day. The meeting went fairly well. The flat seemed even more classy and tidy than in the pictures, so I was more than eager to rent it. The lady invited me to a cup of tea, and as we were talking, she asked me a few weird questions. If I was dating right now, if I liked to spend time at home, and how I would describe my relations with my parents. When she heard my hesitant answers, which were, no, I'm a homebody, and we love and support each other, she smiled widely and said the room is mine. I asked her how come that the rent was so cheap, but she only waved her hand dismissively and assured me that she lived in the lap of luxury and didn't need money, but Aster could use some company. I found that a bit strange and felt the urge to ask about him. Why was he so lonely? But then I remembered that I needed a place to stay and one that I could afford. I moved in three days later. The lady left me a note saying she lived on another side of the country and was just visiting her son and that she hoped I would feel at home. I unpacked and made dinner and still had no idea of what my roommate even looked like. I guessed it would be weird if we just bumped into each other early in the morning on the next day, so I hoped he would get home before I went to sleep. It was around 9pm when I heard the door unlocking, and soon, my roommate appeared in the living room. 
I didn't know what I was expecting when his mother was talking about Aster, but I sure didn't expect to see Apollo himself standing in the doorway. I have never seen such a beautiful person before. He, on the other hand, looked rather startled when he saw me. You're, uh, the new... He started and then just continued to look at me. The new roommate, yes, I'm Jacques. I held out my hand and he stared at it for a bit before reaching out and touching my fingertips with his. Okay, that's... Uh, that's good, he said. He then quickly retreated to his room. I had no idea what to think of it. He seemed intent on ignoring me. He came out of his room soon after, and when I asked if he would like tea and a heated dinner, he gladly accepted. He was watching me closely all the time, but when I tried to start small talk, he was more talkative than in the beginning. He even started asking about my weekly routine and seemed pleased when I told him I have Fridays and Mondays off as well. He seemed confused as to why I would work on the weekends, but I guessed he just had more than enough money to worry about it. After some time, his facial expression went from relaxed to careful and withdrawn, and once again I found him staring at me without a word. Over the course of a few weeks, I learned that it was always like that with him. He didn't want to be touched and wasn't touching me. When we both were in the living room, he would sit on the armchair the furthest from mine. On the days when we both were in the flat, he would demand to know whose turn it was to cook dinner, and he didn't want me in the kitchen when he cooked. He was also quite controlling. He knew it was a tradition for me and my friends to go to a pub every Thursday night, but every time, he would message me just to make sure I was there. My friends were joking that I had a caring boyfriend, but to me, it seemed odd. But then again, I have had worse roommates, and at least I knew that if I didn't reply to his texts, he would react, so that was a plus. One Thursday night after I came back to the flat, I heard Aster's voice coming from behind the closed door. I guessed he had a guest over, and I would lie if I said it didn't make me happy. After all, he seemed even more lonely than his mother had said. However, when I walked into the living room, my smile faded. Aster wasn't in his room, but mine. I stood in place for a bit and realized another thing. He was alone. I thought that maybe he was in a phone call, but that was highly unlikely. I walked to the door and quietly opened it. Aster was standing by the window. He was talking loudly and surprisingly way faster than he normally did. You don't understand, he's just not the same type of person I am. He has other friends too, but I, I think he's still... He suddenly turned around and bored his eyes into me. I took a few steps towards the window, trying to see what he was looking at, but I didn't see anything out of place. What were you doing? I asked and shut the blinds. He sent a wild look toward the window. I... Uh... Just like always, he started saying something, but he seemed to be unable to finish. Yes? I heard a noise. He tried, but I could literally see the cogs turning in his brain. You were talking to someone, about someone who has other friends. As I said that, I took a look to check if he had his phone with him. He didn't. He was at the window, and, and I, I saw he was close to tearing up, but what he was saying was freaking me out. We live on the third floor, how could there be anyone by the window? I talked with him. I was looking at him, but then... After that, there was a moment of silence before he said, Then you came. 
and I could only see you. He was shaking. He looked very vulnerable, but I was scared and didn't know what to do. We live on the third floor, I repeated. Aster's head suddenly snapped upwards and his face twisted in a grimace. We live on the third floor, he said mockingly. Then he took a few quick steps towards me. He has never come this close. It's your fault. He came there and insulted me. All because of you, you stupid slut. He pushed me and I hit the wall. He crowded me. I raised my arms to protect my face in case he tried to punch me, but he only spat out a hateful good-for-nothing slut and stormed out of the room. He slammed the door of his room and then I heard sobs. I was plastered to the wall where he pushed me. I couldn't believe or understand what had happened. Aster telling me he saw and talked with a man who was on the other side of the window on the third floor was disturbing enough, but that violent outburst had me scared shitless. He was stronger and taller than me, and if he wanted to hurt me for real, I probably wouldn't stand a chance. That night, I locked the door by turning the key two times. Aster avoided me for a week after that. When I went out with my friends on Thursday, he didn't message me. I told my buddies about what happened, and they freaked out as well. If I were you, said one of them, I would just call his mother. I mean, it's impossible that she doesn't know about this behavior, and she didn't tell you about it. Another one just said that now I know why the rent was so cheap. I called Aster's mother. She pretended to be surprised, and then, in the least convincing voice, told me, he never acted like that, and maybe he just had a very bad week. In the end, she had the audacity to ask me if I spent a lot of time at home with him because, as she said, he could not stay alone for too long. Yeah, he sure couldn't. I decided not to call her again. It didn't happen once more in that academic year, but when uni started all again next October, there would sometimes be a week when it would happen every day. I called it Aster's Episodes. Sometimes when we were sitting in the living room together, he would suddenly start talking, no, replying to someone. He would forget that I was there. Every so often at the end of it, his face would look like an emotionless mask and he would just sit there, unmoving. Rarely he would lash out at me, calling me names and pushing me around. He didn't really harm me, I was rather worried that he might harm himself after he speeded to his room and slammed the door. I knew he needed help. I googled his symptoms and found a wide variety of mental disorders. I didn't want to label him with any of those, I absolutely wasn't an expert. But it made me realize it can only get worse as time went on. I liked him, and I knew that if I left, his mother with her stupid conviction that he just needed some company would throw another roommate at him. What if the said roommate hurt him during one of these episodes? Or what if Aster went further than just pushing that person around? I told my friends about it. They all had some opinions on that matter. You know that if you start helping him, you won't be able to back out. That would just be cruel, said one of them. Of course I knew. We had a long, very emotional conversation over pints of beer. The whole seriousness was interrupted by the goofiest guy in our group with a, you know, we'll always support you, buddy, but I need to know. Are you gay, which made us all laugh a little. Now that I knew what I wanted and I had my friend's support, there was only one thing left to do. Talk with Aster. I just 
couldn't start that conversation with him. I was afraid he would just deny it just like his mother or have another episode. I might have hesitated a tad too long. One night, I woke up disoriented and in pain. I had trouble with breathing and my stomach and ribcage felt like they were in a vice. I couldn't move. I had a moment of blind panic, but then I felt a warm breath in the crook of my neck. I realized it must have been Aster, spooning me in the most painful way imaginable. He was wrapped around me with one arm around my waist, squeezing hard, and his other hand on my throat, putting pressure on two points right under my jaw. His legs were clutching my thighs. Bastard, I choked out. He huffed a soft mm-hmm in response, which at least meant it wasn't an episode where he didn't realize that I was there. Hell, that wasn't even any of his typical episodes. He had never touched me this much before. I guessed it must have been painful for him too. He was tense and his muscles were tight. I had no idea what to do. I was afraid that if I tried to move, he would squeeze my throat harder, but he was already squeezing it for so long I was sure I wouldn't speak normally for hours after that. Bastard, it hurts, I wheezed out. To my surprise, the pressure on my throat disappeared. His hand stayed there and I felt pain with every breath, but at least I stopped seeing black dots. Slowly, he loosened his hold on my waist. I thought it was the end of his episode and tried to turn around to face him. It was my mistake. He pushed me face first on the bed and laid down on me, gripping my wrists and blocking my legs with his own. I didn't want to make the situation worse, so I didn't move. We were lying like that for a long time. About four hours maybe, because when Aster finally moved, it was dawn. I never had a roommate for so long, he said as he slowly moved away from me. I turned on my back and saw him shaking and crying. They couldn't stand me for more than a few months, and you're here for a year. As he said that, he bolted out of the room. I was sore and still shocked, but I worried about him. What if he hurt himself now? I thought that now was the time to make the final decision. I could either pack my bags and search for a new place for my friend's couch, or go and talk to him. I went to the bathroom and took my pajamas off. I had bruises on my stomach, neck, and thighs. My throat was sore, and when I tried to speak, my voice had a wheeze to it. When I walked into Aster's room, he was curled up on the bed, still shaking. He saw bruises on my neck, and that was apparently the last straw. He had a breakdown, was crying, and occasionally mumbling words I couldn't quite understand. It took me three hours to calm him down. I asked him if he knew how serious his problems were. He was aware. He said he hated himself for being unable to act and speak normally, for not having any friends. He said that sometimes he knew that the voices and things he saw, like the man in the window, weren't real. His mother was telling him he had a wild imagination and anger issues, and that he just needs a friend. God, did I hate this woman. I asked if he wanted to seek professional help. He wanted to. Aster was so mesmerized and shocked to get to know that I wanted to support him along the way. He was overcome with emotions and had to pace around the flat to calm himself down. 
Before we started looking for psychiatrists, he called his mother. He told her he wanted to get some help. She was screaming at him, convincing him that he is going to make himself known as a cuckoo and that he has a company now. What else could he possibly want? She said she will be sending him more money but doesn't want to know about his therapy. She didn't want to hear if he's doing okay or not. She didn't want to hear from him at all. After that phone call, I was fuming. Aster had another breakdown, was crying and apologizing for not being normal and for causing problems. When I instinctively tried to hug and console him, he panicked. It was evening before we finally found a highly recommended psychiatrist and booked Aster a visit. That's how it started. It wasn't easy, especially not in the beginning. Aster was an emotional mess. He had more episodes than ever and wasn't even able to attend classes. As time went by, it got better. Now, three years later, his speech isn't as slow and interrupted as before, and the man in the window and other hallucinations haven't visited us for six months now. He still interprets some sounds as voices sometimes, but I am delighted to see him doing so well. This isn't a happy ending. More of a happy beginning, to be exact, and we will see how it'll develop further into the future. To be honest, when I started capturing our story on the paper, I didn't have even one moment where I would remember Aster as the villain. The real antagonist here is his mother, a person who didn't want others to know that her son is going to therapy, who neglected him and let him suffer all these years, and who doesn't want to keep in touch with him now. If there are monsters on Earth, she could be one of them. She doesn't realize that even with her whole luxurious life, she's a pauper. I see Aster doing better and better. I see him succeeding in things that caused him problems before. I listen to him reading books out loud, and he willingly shares his dreams with me. This is something beautiful that she won't be able to buy with any of her wealth. And I hope she understands that one day. We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere. Thanks to our newest sponsor, Territory Foods, for supporting Disturbed. Territory is a chef-driven marketplace of meals that are sustainably sourced, nutritionally dense, and ready to eat in just 90 seconds. And here's what I love. They use only healthy fats, clean proteins, and tons of sustainably harvested seasonal produce. Now the entire menu is free of gluten, inflammatory oils, dairy, and refined sugar. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? You'll find 10 different plans to choose from, including the Mediterranean diet, paleo, vegan, whole 30, and keto friendly. Or you can bypass the diet and just choose what you like best. But what are you actually going to get? How about menus featuring as many as 90 items per week? And they even adapt to the seasons and latest food trends. So there's always something brand new to try. Now the meals are delivered twice a week, so you know they're always fresh. And if you're anything like me, you don't want to be locked into a commitment. And with territory, that's not a problem because you can pause or cancel your meals at any time. 
And as for me, I just put my first order in and let me tell you, I cannot wait to get these meals and get started. So to save $75 across your first three orders, plus free shipping, go to territoryfoods.com and use promo code disturbed. That's $75 you can save across your first three orders, along with free shipping, by going to territoryfoods.com with the promo code disturbed. And as always, supporting our sponsors helps support the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Now back to the horror. Disturbed podcast with your host, Chad. And finally, we have an email submission from Janine. Featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And we realize that sometimes we just might be exactly where we belong. Never thought I'd have anything to share here. New listener, been binge listening every night coming home, and almost done catching up. I work swing shift so I get off at 4am, and the drive from work is about 37 minutes long. This is sort of important. This happened recently, and I'm still shaken from it. I want to add that from listening to this podcast as a 25-year-old female who works nights, I've gained a lot of knowledge on how to protect myself and watch out for potential threats. Anyways, driving home 4 a.m., listening to the episode Call for Help, when I get to the last story by Alex saying that. For some reason, I start zoning out and notice there's a sectioned-off accident about a third of the way home. It's sad, but happens occasionally this time of night. I notice I didn't really catch what the episode was about, so I replay the last six minutes, keep driving, and see another accident. This time a bit bigger. Weird. Okay, keep driving. Wait, what was the story about? I realize I've had goosebumps the entire time the story was playing, whatever it was about. Okay, third time's a charm. Hits replay. Wait... Another accident? This time I'm forced to get off the freeway and you turn it another road to hop back on. At the red light to get on the freeway, I fully start to listen. The OP was at a red light, started zoning out, has an experience of basically dying after a big truck runs the red light and crashes into her, only to wake up, so to speak, and realize she's alive and should start driving, but doesn't. Why? Because the killer truck from her dreams just ran the red light. Call it deja vu or a sign. It was strange. And for some reason, hit close to home. At this point, not only am I fully invested in the story, but I've also gotten off the freeway finally. I'm slowly in the home stretch to get home. Mind you, I'm a very slow driver for having a Challenger, 
but more than the usual, I was going 40 in this 50 zone, listening to the story almost in a trance. As the OP is wrapping up her story, I notice far off in the distance, there's a lot of police lights. Wow, another accident, this time on my street? I keep driving and then notice there's a car coming my way on the opposite side of the road, like normal, when suddenly, almost as if appearing from thin air, although probably more like from right behind them, this huge lifted truck with its brights comes barreling around the car and goes directly into my lane at at least 90 miles per hour. My heart stops, podcast playing in the background. I slam on the brakes and veer off to the right as the truck continues to barrel through where I just was seconds ago. Luckily, this road is mainly dirt, albeit I could have been unlucky and fell into a hole, but thankfully this one spot wasn't too steep. But I felt myself skid into the dirt as a truck drives past me. Not only do I blare the horn out of shock, but I'm kind of like, did that just happen? I know for a fact that even though challengers are like little tough tanks, this truck would have either plowed right through me, over me, or hell, made me explode. Next thing I knew in my days, the police lights I had seen in the distance weren't so distant after all. There were three police SUVs barreling after him, also going at least 90 miles per hour. Thankfully, my car was okay, and I climbed her out of there and made my way home. Calling my mom and crying to her how I know for a fact I could have literally just died if not for those seconds when time seemed to slow down when the truck appeared, allowing me to react. Not only that, but if I had been going my normal speed and listening to music, bopping along, singing to the lyrics, instead of being weirdly over-invested, goosebumps on my arms and in a trance, listening to this one six-minute story to the point I had replayed it at least three times on my 37-minute drive home, well, I would certainly not be around alive enough to listen to the newest episode. So, moral of the story, thank you, team at Disturbed, for saving my life and crazy story from Reddit that might have been my guardian angel, so to speak, that night. Listeners, take to heart and learn from this podcast. And to the crazy lunatic who almost crashed into me, I hope I never see you on my drive home from work again. Update. My mom filed a police report in case there was car damage. Turns out the guy had robbed the Walgreens up the road, and it took them another 30 minutes to chase and track him down. No word on anything else. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. And before we sign off on today's episode, let's get in a listener story. So Lou, let's hear what you've got. Hi, my name's Lou. I want to share a story that I don't usually tell people It sounds kind of outlandish, and so I don't really talk about it much, but hearing everyone's stories, I'm thinking maybe you guys can be the judge of that. But so this happened back in 2015. It was the summer before I was a senior in high school, and I was born and raised in New Jersey, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this was also around the time that the movie It was coming out and there was a bunch of hype around the promotion. And for some reason, there was weird clown sightings popping up around the same time as the movie coming out in New Jersey. And so people thought 
that maybe it was like part of like a promotional thing with the movie. I am still not so sure, but I did have an experience that a lot of people were having at the time. So at that time, myself and my neighbor were very good friends. And every night after we had dinner with our families, we would go hang out outside, either just hang out outside or if it was a little cold out, we would sit out in his car in front of my house and um, we would smoke some weed. So this night in particular, we were sitting in his car and it was just after the line to the property of my house, which met another property that had a couple other smaller houses sort of on the same property. And you could see um, in the wintertime where there were no leaves on the trees, you could see straight through all of the yards to the other side where there was a highway. And then on the other side of the highway were apartment buildings. And the highway was fairly lit up, but the space between the highway and where we were on the street in the neighborhood was pretty dark with sporadic lights from the neighborhood lights mixed with the highway lights that kind of shed a little bit of beams throughout the yard, but it wasn't much, especially at this time at night. And so this night we were sitting in the car and he was rolling a blunt. And so we were sitting there talking and I was sitting in the passenger seat, kind of sitting in a way where I was facing him as he was facing forward. So I was able to see directly out of the driver's side window that gave me vision all through the yard next to me, all the way to the highway. And so I'm we're sitting there just talking and I noticed uh, someone walking through the yards and I didn't think anything of it because lots of people, there's a bus stop right over there. And so lots of people, you know, get off the bus or walk through kind of this, the yard in between my house and the other houses just to get from one side to the other instead of having to walk all the way around. And so I didn't think anything of it when I first saw someone was walking towards us until I noticed that they were, they didn't look like a normal human being. It was very um, tall, lengthy. They had a fairly large head for the distance that they were at. It really threw me off and I saw that their hands were wearing large gloves and they had very large feet or shoes on. And it starts walking towards us. And it was also when I noticed that it was holding some sort of, I want to say weapon. I don't know what it was. It really could have been anything, but they were just holding something in their hand. And then I started really paying attention to it. And at this point, I will add, we had not smoked at all yet. I was stone sober fresh out of dinner with my family. And so I'm noticing it more and more as it's getting closer. And then I notice right as a beam of light from the neighborhood, kind of they walk through it is when I notice what I'm really looking at. And it definitely resembled a clown of some sort, but it was did not look human clown. It was just very disproportional to what a normal human would look like. Did not look like a helmet or a mask. It definitely looked like it was smiling with real teeth and it was very creepy. And as soon as I saw what it was, it started sprinting towards the car. That's when I like went into fight or flight mode and didn't really know how to respond. Um, it was getting closer and closer. And that's when I just 
I started hitting my friend and I choked on my breath, couldn't get any words out until I finally was just like, go, go start the car, go, go. And he, before he started the car, he looked over to see what I was looking at. And he too saw what I was seeing. And at this point, it was getting extremely close to the car, pretty like almost, you know, 20 feet away. And he flipped on the car really quick and we zoomed off so fast. I mean, it got so close to the car that started reaching out for the car handle, the door handle. And we circled around the block a couple of times and we came back to where we were and there was nothing there. Neither of us, you know, wanted to get out of the car, but we just kept looking around. There was nothing there. We just went home that night and didn't really talk about it for a little while. But every now and then, we don't talk much anymore, but every now and then we reach out to each other and we're like, you know, that happened, right? That really happened. Just to check in to make sure that we're not just crazy. But yep, the other one always responds with, yep, yeah, that definitely happened for sure. So I don't know if it was the It movie promotion or if it really was someone or something that was running after us, but I really hope I never find out the truth of that. Thanks, Lou, for your submission. And whether or not it was someone in costume because of the It movie, still a terrifying experience in the moment. And what is it about clowns that drives such a deep feeling of fear for so many people? Definitely an interesting discussion to be had. Thanks again for your submission. And you too can get your story on the show. We have several different submission options available, and you can find them all at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And we've got quite a few new supporters to shout out. Ashley Melendez, Nina Eager, Shermaine, Robin, Joy, Ashley Smith, Brittany Knuckles, Chris Harris, Judy Farmer, Kathy Brown, Craig Huberto, Brooke Piper, Katrina Olson, Katie Lynn 2233, Kelly Barrientes, and Adriana Bates. Thanks everyone so much for supporting the show. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.